It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast, the Husker Fan Sports Show with Dave, Honky, Mac, and Boomer. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast. I'm your host, David Gaspers, and I'm with Honky. Just created a fake Honky account on Rivals and am patiently awaiting to hear back on my, what my star rating will be. I, I, it's got to be at least negative three stars, I would say. I think so. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm also with Boomer tonight. Well, I know there's been some concerns about the podcast hot seat out there, but I just want to let our fans know that if they do fire us, they still got to pay us. So we still got $16.74 to share between the four of us. So <laughs> we've got that going for us. Uh, so we got that going for us. There are millionaires out there that may have, are also on hot seats, uh, one potentially being our uh, dear Nebraska head basketball coach, Tim Miles, after the debacle that was a, what, 95-71 to 71 loss to Penn yes. State in front of a crowd of dozens several? at yeah. least, right, Boomer? Several. Yeah, a crowd of several. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, the Bryce Jordan Center has never been full, I don't think, at Penn State. I, don't understand why they have such horrible uh, support there in um, Happy Valley, but they sure do. And apparently that's just very alarming and scary for Nebraska basketball players because they never perform well at Penn State. And another example where we had our, we had our hopes up, right, Boomer? We, we have two wins to kind of right the ship a little bit. Maybe they figured out how to play without Isaac Copeland. Roby is far more aggressive. Palmer and Watson gets their strokes back, and they go to Penn State, and it's just got their doors blown off of them from the moment that that ball was tipped. Uh, have to be disappointed, but I guess, honestly, were you surprised? You know, not really. You know, we'd mentioned it before, Penn State's always been a hard place for Nebraska to play for inexplicable reasons. Maybe they've just got all, all have agoraphobia in an empty cavern like that where there's nobody in attendance. You know, maybe, you know, sports psychologists could work on that. I don't know. But, you know, the two wins we had, I mean, it was nice to get that back. I think I, I was kind of concerned after that Northwestern win. I mean, Roby, you know, basically carried the team in that second half. Uh, you know, they managed to pull out that win, but... Man, if we'd have been playing anybody other than Northwestern in that second half, I don't think they would have won that game either. So I think the signs were already there, despite the two wins, that this was going to be tough sledding. I'd still kind of hold out a little hope that they might sneak out that Penn State win just to keep the basketball season just a little more fun, you know, for the remainder of it. And now, you know, what you've got left ahead of you, man, it's it's hard to see a whole lot of hope at this point. Yeah, I mean, Honky... It's amazing. The Big Ten this year, opposed to last year, where you're extremely frustrated with the metrics. If we would have beat Penn State uh, last night, that would have been a, a net uh, quad one win because because that's how high they are in the net rankings. And they are at the bottom of the Big Ten uh, uh, rankings right now. You know, the, It's just extraordinary, the, the depth of the conference, at least from a metric standpoint. And we have not been able to 
take advantage of that. We're two and nine in quad one games, and that just and the opportunities are all over the place this year, and they have not been able to get it done. And it, you know, I I, I guess I'd, I'd ask you, or I mean, did you have a little glimmer of hope there? Honky's always very optimistic somehow <laughs> with this type of stuff. It's like you know, we had those two wins. I'm sure in your head you're thinking to yourself, okay, we go beat Penn State. And then we have Purdue at home. And, hey, it's home. You never know. You beat beat Purdue, and then you just need to, to maybe beat Iowa. And you can even just lose the two games to Michigan Michigan State on the road. And we're at least in the conversation. You win a couple of games in the Big Ten tournament, and voila, uh, we're there. Were you thinking that? Yeah, I, I blame me. Um, <laughs> I didn't watch the Minnesota or Northwestern games or, or very little of each, and we win them. and. And then I turned around and, like an idiot, watched the whole Penn State game. And and uh, it was just – that's about as disappointing of a performance I can recall a Nebraska ball team playing in. It was a horrible that, game to watch. That You throw it out with the incarnate words and those kind of games. That That's the level of play that you would throw that game out in, you know, over the history. They played no defense whatsoever. Penn State just raining threes. And you're just <laughs> like, what? Yeah. It was – Aren't they the worst big worst three point team in the Big Ten? I think. Yes, if I remember right. Yeah, they're just yeah. Yeah, it was so bad. The only positive that came out of it is that, you know, when we won a couple of games, it started getting people that glimmer of hope again. And in Nebraska basketball history, is that it's going to let you down. You're gonna you're gonna just feel pain. Well, now you don't even have to like hold up hope for Purdue and that these last four games. I I don't know how this team comes back i i did to your point dave i i was going through the math in my head and i'm like if you can beat penn state on the road now you've got three games in a row you've got some you've got some momentum going that that could be a crazy pba for purdue coming in here you know pull off the win you know beat purdue at home and now you got four in a row go on the road to michigan's and and see where you're at Michigan with some momentum it's got Got another injury. A ward is out suddenly, so yeah. they don't match up as well down low. And you're like, oh, maybe we could pull off that Michigan State win. And you have Iowa at home in a crazy environment that gets you to, to maybe nine wins or something in mm-hmm. conference. And that's exa- I mean, that's where my head was. I was talking with a coworker about that uh, yesterday prior to the you know the game, obviously. was just I knew it was a long shot, but it was still like at least the team starting to win a couple games kind of gave you a little bit of glimmer of hope. It was so abruptly shut. The door was shut so fast on us. The way that that game was played last night, I mean, this team, it just doesn't look like – they just look tired. They look it, done. It's extraordinary to me that they came out knowing that everything is on the line and, and this was a huge opportunity for them to, to kind of keep the momentum going and honestly potentially save their coach's job and to get blown out by almost 30 30- to the bottom of the Big Ten, just just really a shocking performance. Uh, and, and Boomer, your uh, hot take there to, to start the show, you, you're, you're making fun of Tim Miles. He had a it was a podcast, I believe, right, where Correct. he yeah. was interviewed, and you know he's like you know life on the hot seat and, and all the challenges that come with that, and he's very frank, and you know he had a, had a joke about hey you know they they can fire me and I'm still a millionaire. Um, it, I mean, do you feel like the it's etched in stone now. Tim Miles is, is gone. Is there any chance that he's back? Well, you know, there's always a chance. I mean, like you said, it could, you know, they could somehow miraculously win these next four games or go on a run in the Big Ten <laughs> tournament and win that. Or, 
you know, that manila envelope in Moose's desk drawer has nobody's name actually written on it, and it's just like a menu <laughs> from a Chinese restaurant or something like that, so we're stuck another year. I don't know, but, you know, I think everyone even kind of knows where this is headed. You know, we mentioned that last time, and, you know, another thing from that podcast, yeah, it was, uh, call it a Freudian slip or whatever, but uh, uh, Miles even mentioned how this is his uh, third athletic director at North Dakota State that he's been at so you know maybe there's some clues here that everybody knows where this is going and you know it's pretty well pretty well done i don't know and it's unfortunate just the the opportunity this season had for this program for i i there hasn't been a fan base that suffered you know anything like this since the cubs probably i mean just as far as oh it's just you know, fan support and you know the things fans put into this program as far as you know basketball goes, and the city puts into this. You know, building an arena to help you know basketball out yeah, and the recruiting. Penn State deserves to suck. They don't care. Yeah, we don't deserve to suck this bad. Yeah, that's that's a thing. Yeah, that's just it. I don't know what we did, but I'm still convinced it goes back to you know letting Jumbo Steam go back when we were good. We've never <laughs> you know made a run since, and he was a fabulous basketball coach. Those demons have to be exercised at some point. So if anybody at the administration is listening, let's rectify that at some you know some way, shape, or form. You know, celebrate that, and everything will be fine again. We haven't won so, a big you know we haven't won a, won a Big Ten football championship since we let him go too. Hey, so, boomer, see? boomer. Yeah. To your to your point there. Uh, we, we we retweeted Dan Hoppin, that's Dave Hoppin's son, on Twitter mm-hmm. last night, and he had a couple of tweets out there. One of them was he said, someday Nebraska basketball fans will have nice things. I really believe that today is not the day. And he must have received enough you know, feedback from that that he, <laughs> he had to send another tweet out. And he goes, lots of people are doubting this tweet. I don't blame them, but in the last, past 10 years, We've seen the Red Sox, Cubs, and Cavaliers win championships. Even in the face of contradicting evidence, sometimes you just have to believe. The question is, what what do we need to believe right now? I mean, we believed like crazy coming into this season. I believed I believed this was a Sweet Sixteen team coming into the season. That was that I and so many fans. I mean, they, we had pointed to this year, and and the guys came back. I mean, belief to me isn't a, isn't an issue. There's there's no proof right now. Like I don't know what I would be looking for in the next two or three or four years unless a change is made, and then the right change has to come in, and then the right change has to make the right moves. You know, really right, right. away. And sure, that's that's sure. the thing about Miles. He came into a, a a crap show. Sadler left him a a horrible situation. And to Miles's credit, in year two with transfers, that was his. Uh, philosophy, his approach. Let's bring some transfers in here. And by year two with Petaway and those guys, he was able to, to pull off a miracle, be the NCAA coach of the year and, and take the team to the, to the tournament. You know, I, I feel like that's about what he's leaving. Potentially what he's leaving the next person is, is, is a mess. Cause I, I just hope that we don't have, you know, mass transfers and stuff like that after this season too, you know? Sure. sure. Yeah. yeah and, it's, 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 no, I was going to say that, that you know, and that is a challenge with this. I mean, I, I think it was uh, Dirk, you know, Chatlin had a tweet on that about how he, you know, worries about this. If uh, if a new hire, if one does happen, it could set the program back another five years, things like that. But, you know, kind of your point, Augie, I mean, what I mean, what do we think the next five years is going to be the way we're headed? This was supposed to be our best team in, you know, years, and look where it's gotten us. I mean, it's well, just been kind yeah, of depressing Yeah, do you think that Tim point. Miles has an NCAA and, tournament team and, waiting in the wings next yeah, and, year? And like what Honky said, though, with basketball, you know, we mentioned this, I think, last week, too, is that you can get change pretty rapidly. I mean, if Tim Miles in two years was able to take Doc Sadler ball, which was 
I can for any of our new you know Nebraska ball fans out there, that was really painful to watch. If you thought this was bad, imagine that (laughs) Penn State game every night. Just imagine sitting through that. That's what that was. So I mean, it can be done in fairly quick order. Yeah, and so it can be done. It's just well, you do have to make a good hire. I mean, that that goes without you guys. Let me ask you guys this: What is if you guys were the coach, I mean, what is the philosophy you would do with Nebraska basketball? And I'll give you the two examples. The last two coaches, Miles and Sadler, I used to go to talk with Doc. Uh, he mm-hmm. would he would uh-huh. go and do like a luncheon and, you know, fans could go and he would talk to us about stuff. And, and anyways, he mentioned, he goes, his philosophy, it was like his first or second year here. He goes, we're going to bring, and he had that Southern draw. He goes, we're going to bring in players and we're going to redshirt them. Boy, that's a terrible Southern draw. Anyways, he goes, we're going to bring in players, redshirt <laughs> them, horrible. and our players in year five, four and five are going to be better than Kansas's players in year one or two. Now, he couldn't have been further off and what a horrible, terrible strategy, but at least that was his strategy, right? Redshirt, sure. develop, and, and our guys are better. Miles' strategy has been let's go with the, the transfer route and let's get guys that would not have come out of high school straight to Nebraska and end up, end up getting those guys here, the Andrew Whites and the Petaways and the, you know, Palmers and all that, Copeland, right? And then he has also recruited really well out of high school, getting guys like Roby and and Watson and, and Morrow. I mean, four-star kind of Thomas Allen over Kansas. So he's brought in guys like that. So that philosophy hasn't worked. So, Dave, I'll, I'll ask it to you, I guess. What, what would your philosophy be at Nebraska, period? Sure. That's a, that's a great question, and – and I think it kind of relates to what Bill Moose is going to be looking for potentially, right? I mean, mm-hmm. Boomer just mentioned and maybe he doesn't have any names on that list in his, his desk drawer, right? And that would be a, be a concern. And we don't know what, what Bill Moose will be looking for. We know he's only had one big hire, and that was Ernie Kent at Washington State. It hasn't really turned out well, and he really twice, just took he? Ernie from Oregon, right? right? So it is concerning to, to not know exactly how Bill Moose will – approach this I think you if you have to honestly you talked about philosophies in recruiting and talent building and, and roster management and those are all very important things but I, I think what I would like to see this time around because we've got uh, Tim Miles we we've, are complaining about his offense considerably here again this year and it, it continues to rear its head it seems to be very stagnant and honestly, when he came in, he, he sold himself as a defensive-minded coach to begin with. Doc Sadler was defensive-minded big time. Barry Collier was defensive-minded. And that was in opposition to the previous regime before Barry Collier. It was Danny Nee, who was very offensive-minded, right? And I think that's how you actually recruit to Nebraska. Danny Nee showed us the formula. It, it's not that hard. It's not I the agree. big eight. We, it's yeah. not – we're not going to – he's not going against uh, – Billy Tubbs and 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 those type and Norm Stewart and and that type of fast paced Big Eight play back in the day, but right now we, we see a lot more scoring in college basketball and in the NBA for that matter. There's this whole freedom of movement thing where there's a lot more offense happening, lots more three pointers being taken and made, just really uh, uh, more explosive offenses. I think you actually just have to play that up and. And take that and say you're going to have a chance to score a lot of points here at Nebraska. We're going to play an exciting brand of basketball, and um, maybe not worry so much about that that defensive aspect and see how that happens because that's what worked with Neat. It took him several years to get there, built up his roster. He you know recruited well, but it took him a long time to get there. But it was the style of play that he was able to sell. 
over time. And I, I think that's what I'm looking for in a new coach uh, right away because I think that'd be an exciting thing for Nebraska fans to get behind right away regardless of a win-loss record. What do you think, yeah. Boomer? No, I think Dave pretty well hit what I was going to cover too on that because I, you know, I wanted to look back at what coach did we have did have success here, and it was Danny Nee, and it was an up-tempo, you know, push the floor, you know, let's score points and see what the heck happens. And, again, like I said, to any of our newer fans, if you sat through the Collier and Sadler eras and a lot of the Miles era, my God, that would, that's a breath of fresh air at this point. And it's kind of similar to the you know the approach uh, we, we're taking in football now. I mean, Frost is trying to do something different than the rest of the Big Ten to a large degree. I mean, then the Big Ten isn't a big up-tempo, you know, score 8 million points a game unless you're Penn State playing us. You know, kind of a league. <laughs> so why don't we try to do something different? Set ourselves apart from the Big Ten. You know, we're a a school that traditionally is going to be thought to struggle in basketball. You know, we're going to have a tough time recruiting. We're in a weird area, that kind of stuff. Okay, so let's give people a reason to watch us, to come here, to to stand out. You know, how can we, you know, stand out from the Iowa's, the, the Minnesota's, the Wisconsin's, things like that. Well, let's let's find a coach who wants to do something like that. And to Dave's point, I mean, you know, if you're scoring, you know, 80, 90 points a game, at least you're giving the fans something to watch and to be excited about. And you'll have a shot at most games at that point if you can score, so... You know, what's interesting is the last couple of coaches that, that we've had, and I'll throw Miles in with this mix too, is that I feel a little bit kind of like what Mike Riley did in football. Riley would say, I want to run the football, and he'd tell you that, and you'd, you'd start to believe that he wants to do that, and then he would never do it. Well, our last, at least Sadler and Miles, I don't know if Collier ever lied to us, but but they said, <laughs> hey, we want to run the ball. We want to go up and down the court. We want to be fast-paced, and we want to score. They, they would say the right things. We want to be offensive-minded. I remember Sadler specifically talking about going, you know, baseline to baseline, you know, in his first uh, his first press conference when he was getting hired. And then you'd watch his team, and you'd go, well, this is the exact opposite of that. So to your, <laughs> to your point there, Dave, I mean, and, and really, if you go all the way back to the Cipriano years, you know, we've had coaches with Moiba there as well. We've had coaches that knee is the one outlier. He's the complete goofball compared to the other five yep. coaches that we've had since 1962 or whatever that year is. And and honestly, we've had the most success we've ever had during those Danny Knee years. They were tumultuous at times, but we're talking five NCAA tournaments and, and you know, just teams that scored a lot of points, a lot of NBA kind of, you know, caliber players. And, and it was fun to watch. Um we were talking a little bit before the show about, you know, throw out like, you know, three coaches names. If you were, if you had a top three list, if we had our own, you know, Bill Moose list in our top drawer and the number one guy on my list was Dana Altman. And it was because of the offense. It was because that he tends to have guys going up and down the court. Fred Hoiberg was my number two guy that I had on the list and, and they score a lot of points. Uh, Greg Marshall, Wichita state, he was kind of my number three guy. I don't know that he necessarily fits that mold, but he's just had a lot of success. And then I just threw Tyrone Lou out there as kind of a wild card, you know, if if he a was dream. available, the dream. Yeah. And I don't know what offense he would necessarily run, just throw it to LeBron, but we, we don't have him. So. <laughs> we just need to get oh, LeBron. And I, I, w- I would then, like to add – I think LeBron's that, uh, son's probably going to be close to recruitment age soon, you know, so – 
Yeah. Well, I did want to add, Honky, that we did have success with another uh, up-tempo coach, and that was back in the Ewald Jumbo Steam era. <laughs> uh, they were often described as a uh, point-a-minute team back then. Uh, granted, games only went about 30 minutes, so we'd only score about 30 <laughs> points a game, which was quite a bit, actually, back in the back in the teens as far as basketball uh, goes. So, oh. again, we've got models to build on here yeah. for success, Nebraska. Embrace it. Run with yeah. it. So, my, right. my co-worker, uh, he's, he's a little bit older, and, and, but he's a big Husker basketball fan, you know, talks about the Cipriano and the Iba years, and he would talk about some of the. I think it must have been, I think it might have been Iba, but he said there's some some games it was before they had the shot clock, oh, yeah. and like, like we would just sure. dribble for like eight minutes and not do anything. And yeah. I'm like, well, I've heard that I, a lot about the Iba ball. Yeah. Sadler and Collier yeah. would have done that if they could have. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I think it's intriguing. I, I I I'm I wonder how Bill Moose will approach this. In the sense that he believes he's the the one one man hiring crew, you know, and with not having a strong track record, or the, the he's not a he's a football guy. He says he's a football guy. So if you're not a basketball guy, you know who else is going to be around him? Someone like Matt Davidson, for example, who is not only football but he played basketball as well, and obviously uh, knows the program really well. How how much they can influence some of this decision making? is going to be interesting to, to play out, you know. And that yeah, does raise a question, Dave. I mean, are they going to let Moose make a hire on this, or is this going to be more, you know, Ronnie Green and stuff kind of dictating no. this kind of thing? I don't know. I'm just no, curious. Just I think Moose. Scenes sort of stuff. I mean. This is Moose's yeah. job. And, I, I mean, I I can't picture that being an issue. I think, in fact, I'm excited to see Moose get this opportunity. I'm excited to see – I mean, we're jumping. I know we're jumping ahead here. I mean, there's still yeah. the season, but I, that that Penn State well, game was so disappointing to me. I mean, it just kind of, I just, it's so hard to see anything get turned around that you have to almost talk this way. And with, I think Moose is the kind of AD that that we need to to make a big move. Yeah, we need an aggressive move. I agree. I mean. You know, it's interesting. Earlier in the year, I can't remember what game it was. We had one of those patented Tim Miles droughts where we don't score forever, and you guys were screaming via text in very big bold letters, like "Call a timeout! Call a timeout!" Do you guys remember what game that was? Every game. You could pick one, Dave. It'll <laughs> oh, be yeah. accurate. I mean, it's fine. Every game since but, since the you know the new year. But uh, I made the made the point that uh, other some other coaches may not call that timeout either, and and obviously I, I watch North Carolina basketball closely, which they beat Duke tonight, eighty eight seventy two. Thank you very much. Um, and Roy Williams is the type of coach who believes in his talent, and that coaching occurs at the, on the practice court, and sometimes depending on the situation, he will let his team play through those streaks, even though they're they're giving up 10, 12, 14 points in a row. Um, and, I mean, he, he his idea there is his philosophy is to really, you know, build that team to win in, in March, really, really. Mm-hmm. And they need to be able to fight through those things. And if they're not fundamentally doing anything wrong, they just need to be able to get back in their offense and execute, et cetera. You can do that, you know. And and so I, I was never critical on Miles for not calling a timeout, but I don't know if he's ever actually done his best coaching on the practice court either, right? And I, I think what I, I want to see is a, a, a coach that really can be at good at X's and O's. And in this day and age, we're talking about, again, how do you have a fast, fast-paced fast offense 
if you look at North Carolina or a lot of these high-profile programs, they like to push the ball even when it's a secondary break, right? It's not like you have just one guy out there trying to get a layup. You are pushing that ball down the field, and because you have trailers, they're going to hit three-pointers. You ha- you don't have a defense that's set. And if you think about the Tim Miles offense, we get so many times where we do not get a break going, and we have to run a half-court offense, and mm-hmm. it's stagnant, and you, nothing is there. Yep. Well, it's a lot easier to defend when you have all five defenders in place, and they know their roles, and they know who to cover and what may happen. But when you have a secondary break where it's a far more fluid situation, things break down, and, and assignments are missed, and yep. you can get driving lanes, and you can open threes. And I want a coach that can do that. That was the you offensive know? success of last year. Was that that death offense? I think was what you know the BTN guys you know labeled it when when Roby took over for Jordy. Yeah, and we yeah. went to that. We were we were running up and down the court, and teams couldn't keep up with us, and it was nonstop scoring. I mean, we were doing a really good job of that. And then this year, to your point, Dave, when we got now that we've been just stuck in half court offense and we don't have a post presence, it really makes it hard to score. And we're showing that we're barely getting out of the, out of the fifties anymore. So. I don't know. It's it's just been as frustrating of a of a season to, to watch. You know, just collapse like this. It, it started with so much promise, but uh, yeah, I don't know. The the one thing I would say about the coaching, and you mentioned Roy Williams, I'd say Coach Izzo. You'd throw out Coach K in this. The the great coaches, they are able to get the team to respond to them whether it's through a timeout or it's through something they say in the media, they can just get them to respond. And I think about Miles. When Miles has called his team soft, and he's done that a couple times over the years. He called him this year he did it. He did it the year after we went to the NCAA tournament, and then that that team didn't do well. He called him out, and and the team didn't respond. It went the opposite direction. And I thought of Izzo earlier this year. He called his team soft one time, and that that gets their attention. And – I don't know what it is. I, I'm not in the team meetings or anything. I don't have any concept of what's going on in terms of how the players and coaches interact and stuff. But it just seems like he doesn't. Miles isn't able to get the response he wants when he when he's trying to challenge him. Yeah, no, that's fair to say. Boomer, do you have any uh, coaching names out there you want to want to throw out at all? Oh, if it's a dream shopping list, yeah, which yeah. is where we're at at this point, I still think you. Uh, Make a call to Nevada and throw whatever Musselman wants to come here. I think he'd be a great hire. He's he'd be a great hire. He can do it. You know, he's got some NBA ties. He's yep. lived in Minnesota, so he's got some, you know, at least some ties to this region. I think he was a Timberwolves assistant yeah. or something like that yeah. for a while, so this wouldn't be unfamiliar territory. You know, and we can pay more than Nevada can. Now, granted, UCLA and Arizona and who knows who else might be sniffing around at, you know, a coach like him yep. too, but. Take a shot at it. Why not, Moose? I mean, you've got a big checkbook here. You've got a fan base that's just pleading for something, you know, good to happen in a big play. You know, make one. You know, be bold here. I mean, here's your chance to – I mean, you know, I've said it before. The football hire kind of fell in your lap, Moose. That was an easy hire to make, you know, to bring Frost back. I mean, we're glad you did it, but that was easy. Here's your chance to really make your name as an athletic director. Make the big hire here and make Nebraska ball something. Yeah, no, that's a good point, yeah. I, I think Musselman would be great. I think Altman would be great. Uh, I think Lou could be great. Hoyerberg. I think all, all the names. Marshall. I like all of them. That's that's all good stuff. Um, and I do Mata, think we should. Does he want to come back and coach? I have no idea. Yeah, if he's healthy, maybe. No I mean, yeah. he's clearly. 
Yeah, a proven coach. That's a big question there on his health because that was his drawback at Ohio State and his ability to recruit because of that health. I don't know. It's a great question. Um, I mean, I'll just throw out – I mean, we've seen somebody like Northwestern hire Chris Collins, who is a a Coach K disciple. Obviously, there's many other uh, Coach K disciples out there, Wojciechowski, and there's been some failures too, Tommy Amaker and and et cetera. Not a lot of Roy Williams disciples out there. But uh, the, the guy on his bench that I would I would love to see here, I just don't think it's possible because I think he's likely the heir apparent there at North Carolina, would be Hubert Davis, um, former ESPN analyst who actually went back, left left TV to, to join the bench there and uh, has been North Carolina for a while. I, I'd love it just because of the offense that I think that he would bring here, right? He would, he would do that type of offense that Roy Williams runs. And uh, it's it's effective. So would, would you take a guy like that even for you know three four years until Roy Williams retires and then you know maybe I doubt maybe. we can compete with North Carolina, but I mean, would you take a coach like that and at least get because some recognition recruit, here? I mean, say you can win here and maybe it improves our yeah. It's a temporary chances. fix. You're absolutely right. I I, I would think it'd be likely that he would potentially leave, but if he was a success here, I would I would take him for a few years and a a, a tournament win. I'd give him a statue for that, yeah, right? That's fair. Yeah. Think think about how much a coach can change a program just even in a year. At Kansas State when they hired um, oh Huggins, Huggins and yep. you know Huggins left after one season, but what he did by bringing Frank Martin there, and I think Hill was the other assistant coach. He brought these guys there. They had a lot of AAU contacts, and in one off season, one year, they bring in the Michael Beasleys and 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 kind of a a program changing uh, recruiting class. And then once he left, those two coaches stuck around and they kept recruiting close to that level. But it, it but it, it completely changed the trajectory of that program just by Huggins being there for one season. You know, t- so to your point there, Dave, yeah, if you could bring right. in a guy like, you know, like Davis and he could come in there for two, three years and, and really transform the program. And by the way, he'll have a couple of his own disciples that are working for him that, you know, at that point, that's a, I think we, we would all be willing to have our head coach leave and go to UNC to, to be the head coach after he's taken us to the Sweet 16. You know, we we would all be <laughs> yes. willing to, to, to part ways in that way if, if that's what it took. But um, the, the only thing I don't want to ever see Nebraska do is don't sell your soul. Don't don't go get Kelvin Sampson or something and become the, the third program he puts on, on probation. That's the only thing I, I, I wouldn't want to see. Well, he might get us banned from the postseason, so that could be trouble. You know, yeah, we wouldn't. Want that. <laughs> yeah. But we yeah, no, I, that's fair. Like... I don't. I don't want that either. Yeah, I mean, you hear those names come up like Hammer Patino or things like that. I mean, Patino's is that true? UNLV Boomer? sniffing around Patino. That yeah. is a yeah. perfect fit for him. Enjoy it. You know, <laughs> what's what happens in Vegas stays there. You guys have fun. You know? Yeah, uh, UNLV expects to be on probation, so they're oh, like, yeah, yeah sure, yeah, we'll yeah, bring in Patino, yeah, no problem. Fine. Besides, prostitution's legally here. <laughs> <laughs> That's a recruiting advantage. My God, I hope right. the NCAA looks into that. So, yeah. uh, well, you know, we didn't even know what we were going to talk about on this show, and we just went 30 minutes, so that was... So, yeah, that's that was, that's what we do on the Go Big Red cast. Yeah, that's right. All right, guys, anything else on basketball? <laughs> no. <laughs> All right, that's a, this point? Yeah. No, that's the truth. We're just going to see how this plays out. All right, fellas, let's uh, hit the mailbag. Honky, what do you have for us? Yeah, we have a couple of uh, mailbaggers that have uh, asked us about the baseball team. Uh, co-worker Eric and uh, a new one a new uh, 
mailbag virgin, uh, Tyler from Seatown. Uh, they want to know new, well, a new mailbag virgin. That's redundant, I believe. Hockey wouldn't that be? I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but anyways, um, they both essentially kind of asked the same question um, with the showing that the team had this past weekend. Is it too soon to get pumped about the outcome of the of this year, or should we wait until conference play starts? And also, uh, what are some of the keys for Erstad for the team? Dave, I'll, I'll, I'll send that to you. We talked a little bit about it last week, but send it over to you. Yeah. So uh, the Huskers went 3-1 and one over the weekend, right? They uh, Friday night game to doubleheader on Saturday and Sunday. Go 3-1. and one. They lost the first game of the doubleheader, I believe, on Saturday. And Correct. that was close, right? 10-9, I believe, yeah. or something like that. Yeah, a winnable game. Yeah. Uh, bats were, were alive, scored, what, 40-plus runs. So that's, that's great. Uh, starting pitching was all right. Did give up some runs ourselves, but I, I can't complain. It is UC Riverside, right? Let's not get too excited there. I mean, I, I don't believe they're have a high expectations for for that team, and they're probably in the Big West. I'm gonna guess, which was like Cal State, Fullerton, and Long Beach State, etc. But I could even be wrong on that. So, I mean, I wouldn't get excited yet uh, that we did what we were supposed to do. I think. You, I think in the next what 15 games, Boomer. I think 12 of those 15 are teams that um, made the NCAA tournament last year. Yeah, we play some for, pretty first solid four opponents. right yeah. here are the Beavers of Oregon State, right? And yes. then we have Texas Tech and, uh, and I mean, Baylor, a, New Mexico State, and yeah, there's some tough opponents here. Yeah, I think so, I, I think we'll know before conference play kind of what team we are. I mean, just yeah. coming through this non-conference schedule, you'll have a good idea where Nebraska or Nebraska ball sits at this point. So, Nebraska ball. Right. Well, here let me I, I, let me ask. Go ahead, let me ask the question a little differently. Instead of instead of like what what does success look like, you know, for the non-conference or for the season? Because that's that's a that's a big time frame to talk about. Let's just narrow it down to this weekend. What does success look like against Oregon State? Sure, sure. Oregon State, defending national champs. Best player in the country, probably. Uh, good pitching staff. They did lose probably their best pitcher last year, and, and Luke Heimlich. I, I think, and then we are what one in four against these guys over yes, the last three yes, or four we years. Are. Yeah, we've had trouble with them. Yeah. I, I think I, I would be, I would accept one and th- uh, one and three. That'd be you get, you get a win. That means you got a quality win. Two and two would be great. Yeah, phenomenal. Yeah. If you split this series, that would be hurrah hurrah. Let's let's run with that. You get one out of four. I I think that's okay too. Now, if you get swept, that would be disappointing. I mean, you'd hope there's something. Yeah, there, yeah. Four but, four cracks at them. Yeah. You're hoping that at least one of them you you could get at right. Now, yeah, with our bats, the team yeah. that's lost like eleven games in the last two years for goodness' yeah. sake. Yeah, and man, they, and they looked pretty good to start the season. They beat three different teams already, and including Minnesota. right? Yeah, badly, I might add. They they crushed Minnesota. Yeah. I was going to uh, mention that it was like twelve one or something. And Boomer last week, you talked a little bit about Big Twelve or Big Ten mm-hmm. play. It was. Did Minnesota is there? Were they? Uh, they're the they're traditionally good. I mean, they've they've got some talk this year. I mean, Michigan is Michigan and Indiana are probably your hype teams for the most part for the Big Ten. But Minnesota's you know gets hype to be up there as well. So yeah, I mean, it was a it was a big defeat for the Gophers, and you know they looked bad in that loss. So it's a definite chance for us to you know 
look better versus that rodent, you know, as opposed to the gophers, you know. So let's see what we can do. But <laughs> yeah, right. but if you if you win one, great. Two would be spectacular, and any more than that's just dreaming, I think, at this point. But who knows? Let's see what happens. So. And, yeah, Minnesota went one and three in the in the opening weekend. Yeah, they had a bad start in the tournament. Yeah. Um, you know, Purdue. Uh, also getting some buzz. They went 0-3, so not a great start to the season. Oh, Illinois went 3-0. Yeah. So that's good. Yeah. They had, and who did they beat? They had a good win against somebody. Gosh, yeah. Who uh, was it? Got it right in front of me, actually, yeah. here. Uh, it's slipping my mind at the moment. But... Sorry. Uh, Georgetown. Oh, Wake Forest. Yeah, Wake that's right. Yeah, ACC at Wake Forest. Yeah, that's, so that's a good win there. So, yeah, Illinois yep. might be one to watch, too. So, And I do want to give a, a shout-out to Redcaster Travis. Uh, who lives down in Phoenix. I know he's probably going to be going to some of the games in Surprise, Arizona this weekend, and he sent us photos uh, last year from it. Uh, You guys know Travis. He was a UNK guy and uh, buddies with Dan. So, Anyways, yeah, so hopefully he has a good time down there. Hopefully he has some good baseball to watch and that we get a – yeah, just one in three even. I mean, the Oregon State is so good. (laughs) This is what mm-hmm. an opportunity to play them four straight times and just to be able to pull off one. To me, that is success. I agree with you 100% there, Dave. All right. All right. Yeah, no, I I do think, to Boomer's point, we're going to know over the next 15 games somewhat how, how good this team is. And honestly, I think if we somehow come out with a winning record by that point, I, I think that's a really good sign going forward because that means you've got a bunch of quality wins even though our, our win loss maybe just above 500, you picked up a bunch of resume building wins, and then you have the, the Big Ten where you should be able to get you know build up that that win record and be in good shape. Can you guys maybe help me out a little bit here? I haven't studied the roster probably as much as and understand as much as you guys do, but like last year, obviously we were hurt, physically hurt at the at the pitching spot. We didn't have some of the depth. Where are we at kind of this year? You know, through one weekend, obviously, we, we, we played four games there. You know, how are we different from a year ago? Well, I mean, hopefully the pitching staff is a lot healthier, right? We have guys back that missed um, pretty much all of last year, and that, that is going to be a big difference. Offensively, we're, we're quite a bit different. We're a lot younger. Uh, we had uh, Jackson Hallmark, right, who's a sophomore, uh, actually won Big Ten player of the the week honors right boomer yes and, he did yeah. um mm-hmm. we're, we're gonna have freshmen contributing um i'm gonna mess up his name schwellenbach is that right that sounds um, yeah that's right mm-hmm. probably our highest uh recruited uh, guy in a while um had a, had a good week uh, to start off and we're a little bit faster on the bases I, I could see us playing a little bit of small ball uh and producing runs be more aggressive um until we actually have some actual power, especially later in the year when it heats up, you usually hit a little bit better later. So it'll be interesting to see how Erstad manages that the offensive side of the ball and and see how we can produce runs. Yeah, and, and like Conkey said, I, we, we got so far injuries, you know, have not been a problem this season, you know, at least for pitching. I mean, we've got Loonsman and uh, Palkert back from uh, Tommy John surgery, so that's big. And... You know, just let's keep the pitching staff healthy this year. That was such a such a you know bane last year, just losing guys and just injuries, just decimating our pitching staff. That makes anything tough, you know. Especially in you know college baseball, you've got to have a couple of good pitchers. If you have that, you can get a long ways in college baseball. So, 
Yep. Let's, let's keep these guys healthy and, and see what happens. You know, kind of fill out those you know, that middle back end kind of things. I think we should be all right. So we're gonna find out soon enough. That's for certain. Well, yeah, probably this weekend will be a good sign. So see what we can do. Yep. Well, uh, thank you very much, uh, Tyler from Sea Town and uh, coworker Eric. I guess coworker Eric also had a second question, um, and. Boomer, I'll, I'll hand this one over to you. Uh, is a hot dog considered a sandwich? <laughs> I know this has been a question that has you know torn uh, the internet apart at various times. People will debate this left or right whether a hot dog is a sandwich. And uh, you know, in my professional opinion, as someone who enjoys both eating and cooking, and uh, you know, vast quantities of food at times, I don't see how you can argue that a hot dog is not a sandwich. I mean, is it a it is some kind of meat delivered in a uh, between two slices of bread. I mean, what else defines a sandwich other than that? I mean, would you call a? Uh, uh, we've all been in New Orleans. We've had sausage poor boys. That's a sandwich, correct? No one would argue sure. that. So, what makes a hot dog any different? So, yeah, I mean, maybe the orientation with the the bread on the sides and the dog being exposed on top is slightly different than a typical sandwich, which is a layered. Um, you know, approach. But Boomer, actually, I, I agree with you. I'm trying to just kind of devil's advocate there, there, in the sense that I mean, the the story of the Earl of Sandwich and developing the sandwich by playing poker was the fact that he wanted one hand and he put his his meats, his loose meats, uh, between two pieces of bread. That's what a hot dog is, right? So yeah, I I don't think there's any question here. I think anyone who says otherwise is just a complete fool. So there's I think we're set. Yeah. Honky, do you have an opinion? <laughs> no, no, I don't. Um, <laughs> I guess I think if you can shoot a if you can shoot a sandwich through a through a air rifle at a football game, then then yeah, I'd call a hot dog a, a sandwich. Then so I, I think you could shoot like a sub sandwich through there, or a hoagie, or grinder, or whatever you'd like. I mean, that could go through one of those. I don't think there's a question <laughs> there. True. They're pretty aerodynamic. So what is a grinder? Just in a fancy word for a hoagie or a is sub. It, I'm thinking yeah, of the Adam Sandler. Like a Philadelphia thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. East Coast. Adam Sandler had that song, uh, Lunch Lady. It was like, hoagies and grinders, hoagies and grinders. Navy beans, navy beans, meatball sandwich. Sloppy Joe. Uh, no. Okay. Well. Anyways, uh, thank you, coworker Eric, for that question. And thanks to all the uh, mailbaggers. And uh, you can always email us at gobigredcast at gmail. And... Find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at GoBigRedCast. Excellent. Good stuff. All right. Uh, Boomer, do we have a, a potential trivia question uh, for us? Uh, well, I guess sort of. I mean, we did have a uh, – Honky, do we have a uh, mailbag question about uh, the Heisman possibilities? Is that correct? Is it? No, but it was just something that was kind of floating around on Twitter. I, somebody else had a question on it. Uh, well, in what was relation that to Adrian yeah, Martinez? Is that correct? Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, I I know what you're talking about. It was like if if uh, Martinez would have a chance to win the the Heisman next year, you know, how many wins does he have to have at least? And and I think the general consensus was that they at least need nine. He would at least nine, need nine yeah. to be in contention for a Heisman. Okay. Yeah, that's a good question there. And, you know, we kind of dug really fast into this. And if you go back 30 years, how many uh, Heisman Trophy winners were there that won uh, fewer than 10 games on a team? In the last 30 years. Yeah, let's go back to 89. How many Heisman Trophy winners? Well, we know Lamar Jackson. Less than 10. 
So Lamar Jackson just a few years ago would have only won, yeah, nine games. And, and we're saying go back to like 1980. And this is before the bowl game, Boomer, because. Yeah, we'll, we'll go the whole thing. Yeah, I, we probably should technically only consider pre-bowl, but I'm not doing that much math really fast. Gotcha. So, yeah. Okay. So it's just the actual final record. Of the yeah, team. final record. Yeah. And Louisville went nine and four then eventually. Is that right? Uh, correct. Yeah. Okay. So and then there's at least one more out there. Is that fair to say? There's a couple more out there. Yeah. Dating back to okay. about what year, Boomer? Well, thirty years. So we'll go back to eighty nine. Eighty nine. So I'll say 80, 89 was probably Tim Brown. Is that right? He was 80. Uh, Ty Detmer would have been like 89 or 90. No, Detmer was 90. Gino Tredo was 91. 93 was Charlie Ward. Forgetting 92. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. Um, I'm going to say 94. Detmer. I don't, I don't know how many he won. Dave, you got anything to throw in there so we don't have too much um, dead air? 90, 90, 80, George. Boy, it's a great question. It was. We haven't had a good trivia question in quite a while. so I was thrilled for such an opportunity. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what did you say, Hockey? I think I, the only one that even comes to mind is, like, Detmer, because all the other guys are... Miami or, you know, Warful and sure. those guys sure, yeah, that, you know, were playing for titles. So I'm just going to say Detmer. All right, let's go Detmer. Sure. Okay. Well, good, good guesses there. But uh, Detmer actually did manage 10 wins with that BYU team by the end of the year. Can you, just, um, can you throw out once, the year so we can try to guess them? Uh, the one was 89, and the other one that I've discovered was 98. So. Ricky Williams. Correct. Yeah, that Texas team only won nine games. Oh, that I'm. Yeah, oh, I was only thinking like quarterbacks. Oh no, no, oh, this wasn't a quarterbacks well, thing. No, no, oh, no, no, no. Hockey was only thinking. I was. Quarterbacks. Yeah, I was all I'd said was, uh, you know, just it's all about, uh, all about the winning. So the Ricky Williams yeah. only won nine games in '98. So '89. Yeah, '89 would be the other one that I that I found in rapid fire. And it wasn't Tim Brown because he it wasn't Tim Brown. It was '87. Yeah. All right, and '80. It's a team in school you'd forget about quite a bit I so totally you forgot they were ever good. andre Ware. yeah that's correct andre Ware. yep that was Bam. houston they won nine games that year and that's a legit nine wins because they were barred from a postseason play so they, andre they Ware games wins the, the heisman he at, did essentially a non-power five school with a nine and two record is that yeah, right nine and two yep he, he threw for 5,000 yards probably or some crazy that thing. That helps. For the yeah, it definitely helps. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, there aren't many of those left. But, yeah, it's, that been, it's pretty um, much a given. You have to win about 10 games to have a shot at a Heisman. Now, whether that's fair or not is a question for another show. But Or unless this show needs to go on for a while, we can you know argue <laughs> that too. But, I, I, you know, unfortunately that's the way the Heisman is. It goes to the a good player on a winning team, which is probably against yeah. what it should can be. You, yeah. Boomer, can you name – Heisman winners that won with a losing record. Ooh boy! Oh, there was there a Notre Dame guy back in the sixties. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. It can't be a whole 50, lot of fifties or sixties. Huh. Oh, was it? Um, oh gosh, I can't think of his name. The guy that went, ended up playing for the Packers, Paul Horning. Yeah, Horning Correct. did right. Yeah, yeah. He won with a losing record. Do you know what their record was, Dave? No. 
I'm gonna guess uh, <laughs> three and six. It was bad. It was pretty was close, Hunky. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. What is it? Uh, he said three and six, but it's actually two and eight. So that's pretty yeah, good. I yeah. was gonna say yeah. two and seven. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that was pretty wow. good. And Paul Horning carried the ball 94 times for 420 yards. So four and a half yards a, a carry. So there you go. Yeah. And he won the Heisman. Yep. I think he's. Is he the only one who's ever won a losing record? I believe so. I think so. Yeah. I can't imagine there's too many others, and certainly wouldn't have been any time in the modern era. So yeah. Yeah. I don't know what was going on that year. I think he, he did a lot of other stuff, right? It wasn't just it probably just helped. Yeah. I, think he, I think he punted and passed and whole things. All right, good stuff, good stuff. All right, guys, anything else on on baseball, football, anything else you want to cover? Uh, there's not a whole lot on football here. I mean, the couple of notes I had: spring game obviously sold out. That was impressive. D line coach, the search is is still going right now, and and a hot name that was kind of being thrown out on on rivals. They were talking about Craig Kuligowski, who. Uh, he was with Alabama a year ago, like just this last season, and he's not there anymore, I guess, and that's because Saban goes through coaches like that's just right. fast. <laughs> but prior to that, he was with <laughs> Miami, and then prior to and he was with Miami for a couple of years. Prior to that, he had been at Mizzou for a quite a long time with Pinkle, and so I, I think some of the conventional wisdom is that he might be able to provide some some recruiting ties into the Missouri area, St. Louis, KC, and you know if that if that was the guy that, that we would go after. I'm still a big Perella dude, but I'm not holding my breath that, that that's going to be the route that we go. Um, Mike yep. Riley, he was on the bottom line with uh, Michael Severe the other day. And so there was just – it was an interesting conversation. He talked about some regrets he had, one of them going uh, – switching to the 3-4, that the team wasn't ready for it, obviously, as we know now. <laughs> um, but – but he, he felt a bit of strain, is what you're saying. Yeah, he was, yeah. he felt the strain, but he uh, he did talk about you know again just a, what a neat experience it was to be at uh, at Nebraska and you know it was special. It was special, and uh, you know I hey I like Riley. I like Tim Miles. I, I I like the guys. They're good guys, but you know five hundred point you got to win. Yeah, millions. I haven't hated a coach here in quite a while. Now that you mentioned that, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the right. the last thing, I, just football related, just and you guys were talking about before we went on, I I missed this, but Jerry Kill, the former Minnesota coach, he was uh, was he going off on oh, PJ yeah. Fleck? What what was that? What was that about? Yeah, I, I mean Boomer, you might know a little bit more, but I, I just thought it was funny. I saw it on Twitter. I mean, he, he was on a radio station or a podcast of some sort in Minnesota, and was pretty much ripping into Fleck, saying he's very essentially self serving, right? Like the whole whole act is rode the boat, et cetera, is all about promoting himself and not uh, uh, Minnesota football or his players. He only cares about himself. It was pretty pretty critical, actually. Yeah, it it, it was pretty critical of it. I mean, you know, we've made fun of P.J. Fleck here a lot. I, you know, and yeah. it, he's an easy target for it. Uh, I guess part of it, I you know, I understand P.J. Fleck can rub people the wrong way. I mean, like, for example, did you know Minnesota was a young team last year? I don't know if you guys noticed that or not. Or <laughs> I, I heard that, that one but time. It was. A little bit. But, yeah, I, I guess I don't hate P.J. Fleck the way some other people do. And I think some of that with Jerry Kill, this is just my impression, comes across as kind of sour grapes because I know he wanted um, – what was his replacement? Tracy Clays, I think. Does that sound yeah, right? Yeah, correct. Because I know he was there for about a season and then kind of got fired after some very questionable things were going on with uh, Minnesota Gophers players. Yeah. yeah. Well, he won nine games, but there was a lot of issues with some uh, some charges with players getting involved in some 
some assaults and things like that. Did anyone else remember that? Yeah, uh, yeah. that sounds yeah. yeah, so, you know, you can make fun of PGA Fleck all you want, but the Gophers haven't been charged with that since, so I think, you know, good job, PGA. Let's keep that going, I guess, if there's any positive to it. So <laughs> yeah, It's true. It's true. All right, good stuff, guys. It's uh, a nice little, as Honky would say, a potpourri of, <laughs> of football news. <laughs> All right, guys, let's get out of here with some parting shots. Honky, what do you got for me? A little social media update. Uh, congrats to Farmer David. He was our 35th hundred Twitter follower. Uh, Woohoo! Nice. Yeah, you don't get anything more than just your name mentioned on the show, but he's you know, 30... that's a thing of 3,499 other people haven't had. So. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess since we're talking uh, you know, following numbers on Facebook, somebody please help us out. We have 666 followers, and I want to get us off of that uh you know that number that's just bad karma so anybody just follow us on on facebook or or don't follow us get us back to 665 maybe yeah 665 well we got to get over 66 at some point something yes we just let's not be stuck on 666 so right anyways that's it good stuff all right boomer uh, well, first thing I wanted to shoot out was, uh, you know, Dave, you kind of, you mentioned this earlier, but a uh, shout out to uh, Jackson Hallmark, who's the uh, Big 12, or excuse me, Big 10 player of the week in baseball. I think he went uh, 8 for 18 with 10 ribbies uh, with our uh, series against uh, Cal Riverside. So nicely done there. I like to hear that. And uh, we just kind of like to just hope for all the red casters that at some point this winter has to end, you know, whether it's the weather or Nebraska ball. Good things have to be around the corner at some point, so let's just keep it keep it going with that. That's right. Maybe Try baseball's to... the ticket out of here. Can't get any worse. So let's That's run the truth. with it. Yeah. Hey, I, I have one more parting shot, and this was this goes back to my hot take when I I mentioned how uh you know rivals they there was the the story of Blake Carringer. He was the six six three hundred fifteen pound offensive lineman from Grace Christian Academy that these high school kids just made the guy up right. And he had offers from Alabama, Georgia, and Florida. And anyways, Rivals ends up giving him a three-star, right? Well, I've got a buddy of mine who coaches football on the East Coast, and he texted me about that. And he goes, we tried to get one of our 60-year-old coaches recruited, and he received several letters. ASU even called him asking for film. He was listed at 6 feet 3 and 225. It was pretty funny. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's been done before. It's been, I'm sure it's been done many, many times. And, you know. Anyways, yeah, I just thought that surprised. was funny. Yeah, good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah, you can't trust anything on the internet. <laughs> that's very true. That was a quote from Abraham Lincoln, I believe, Dave. So, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Abraham Lincoln warned us a long time ago. Saw it on the internet. the internet. Yep, saw it on the internet. Yep. Yep. All right, guys. Good talk about absolutely nothing, which is what I kind of like this time yeah, of year. This is the Seinfeld I, episode. I guess. <laughs> yes. yes. Uh, all right, guys. Uh, let's call that a go big red cast. Beat Oregon State at least once.